2: Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. And indeed, the toughest exam anyone's got to take on a Saturday morning, Ireland's easiest quiz. It's a rather dull and damp Saturday, but whether you've been up and about in the pre-dawn hours for darkness into light this year, our sunrise, you're still in bed or you're strolling around the park listening to KCLR and keeping an eye on the ducks, we hope we find you well. Well, this May morning during the week, KCLR celebrated seventeen incredible years online, thanks to the literally hundreds of people who've been in touch with us, and uh, it's great to know we mean so much to people in their lives, and particularly during the pandemic. This morning on the bottom line, we'll be talking to publisher, entrepreneur, and investor Nora Casey. Back in the depths of the lockdown, she spoke passionately about how many small businesses were feeling, and it wasn't great at the time, as the country slowly starts to see an easing of COVID restrictions and gets back to what we'd call normal business we'll be finding out how she's feeling about the future of business in the coming months and what she sees as the challenges ahead. We'll have another edition of our popular 20 questions feature where we give you the chance to get to know the person behind the business persona by asking 20 questions not strictly related to business and we'll be talking to Colin Ray director of Ray's department store in Bagnallstown about how lockdown has been for him and his family business and what he and the business community in Bagnallstown are doing to make sure their town has a business future. But to start the programme, I'm joined on the line by Simon O'Dwyer, Managing Director of 360, the Kilkenny-based brand and communications agency. Good morning, Simon. Uh, good morning, Tom yeah now I last spoke to you in December um uh, we were facing into Christmas at that stage. I don't think a four and a half month lockdown was on the uh on the agenda. how have you been going and is kilkenny based strictly true in this uh kind of remote working environment presumably not everyone in the office uh
1: oh no we've been uh, we've been remote since March the fourth uh 14th of last year. So we're well well, uh, well used to it at this stage, John. I think when we spoke last, there was a the sense that we had been through the worst at Christmas and uh, we were looking kind of optimistically towards 2021. But to be honest, uh, from the new year to now, has just been a, a complete drag on, on everybody, I think, you know.
2: It has been, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, we were talking, I think, at the time about working and remote working and remote working will be the future. I think maybe... Um the last four months have changed that slightly. What do you think is the future of, of work? How are we going to be working? Uh,
1: well, you know, I agree totally. I think it's, you know, we we have this conversation regularly at work about, like, how we're going to shape things for the future. And in the discussions we would have had, like, last November, last December, people were would, would have been, like, very much of the mindset, yeah, we like working from home, uh, we like the efficiencies it brings and the kind of structure it brings. Um, but now the conversations are different and now people are, are, are eager to want to, you know, be able to meet face to face, maybe not to the same same extent as, as we did pre-pandemic. Uh, so for us, it's going to be trying to find some blended space that, you know, meets the needs of, you know, like obviously we can continue to deliver for our clients, works for our business and then uh, keeps the team happy, you know. So I think it will be blended and probably kind of customized person to person depending on, on what they want.
2: Yeah, and and it's interesting because knowing now what we know <laughs> and what we didn't know back when we last spoke on, on the show in, in December, we've really hit levels of Zoom fatigue and all that sort of <laughs> stuff, and people are looking at different ways. I even saw somewhere this morning online that people are looking at creating virtual meeting spaces that are not even, you know, like Zoom, but they kind of give people personas that they can browse around yeah. online and butt in on conversations and all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, and I've definitely heard stories of people meeting on, like, Minecraft and on other computer game platforms. Um, So, yeah, obviously, you know, all all of it being challenging, all of it trying to maybe stimulate some kind of, like, innovation and, and change and difference. Yeah, because whatever about
2: pressing the buttons, responding to the emails, accessing IT systems and all that sort of stuff, there is a kind of a a thing that people miss out on an awful lot of interaction that they've had in offices. And and we all know about FOMO and the fear of missing out. Is Is that a thing now in terms of, you know, working from home and remote working and all that?
1: Well, I think there's two things of note on that, John, that I've come across recently. The first thing is that there was a letter from Google's CEO basically saying that, you know, his expectation was that everybody would return to the office uh, unless it was in very specific circumstances. So that was kind of the first one of those kind of big hitters coming out and saying this is how it will be in the future. And then there was a, uh, a really controversial op-ed in the Washington Post during the week where uh, the CEO of a different magazine was basically saying that, you know, if you continue to work from home, you need to understand the risks for your career and basically laying out the line that, you know, as a, as if you're working from home, you know, you're, you're kind of boxing yourself more into a kind of a contractor role than an employee role. And then made the catty, uh, kind of the final piece of that article was, you know, that, uh, the people that you know are the people, the people who are the hardest to let go. So, by being absent from the office, making yourself more likely uh, to be let go, mm-hmm. that was like really like quite a threatening article in the, in the Washington Post, and there's been quite a bit of uproar about that. And I think actually the staff on that magazine have since gone on strike about it. So, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, pro-
1: it's giving us a sense maybe of where some you know companies' uh, mindset is at, is that they want to you know accelerate a return back to kind of pre uh, pre pandemic uh, work practices. Yeah,
2: so it's an evolving situation. Rather than the rather mm. simplistic, the world of work has changed, and the office is dead. Far from yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, like I, I would think that you know now, as you know, I'm hoping it's not another fog storm now. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that you know, like business owners like myself could kind of take a look at the last year and kind of go, well, what, what goodness can we take out of that? Like, what, what were the, what were the good things that happened that we can now kind of carry forward. Mm. And, uh, and bring with us, and, and let that be some kind of kind of positive outcome from the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and we've probably learned if if, if life had returned to normal, so to speak, uh, immediately after Christmas, we probably would have had a, a complete set of different uh, way of thinking. It's it's quite interesting from that perspective. It's,
1: I think it is, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And so I suppose all we like from our side, again, you know, speaking from our own like our own point of view as a business we're just gonna wait, before we're not gonna make any big decisions until we're kind of through and then like all of the options are back open to us. And I think then we'll get a very clear picture of like, where people's minds are actually, what, what the mindset
2: is. Yeah, now uh, 360, your company, your brand and communications agency, an interesting time for brands and, and an interesting time for places and an interesting mm. time for, you know, the places companies are located. I'll be talking later to Colin Ray from uh, Ray's department store in Bagnallstown. Um, Kilkenny. an interesting time for Kakenny, beginning to reopen, tourism beginning to reopen, but without some of its most iconic names. The Smithics experience in Kakenny closing, which which is a bit of a blow. it, John.
1: Absolutely gutted to hear that. Um, you know, two, I think it's important, like, I think Smith's experience is important on two levels. One is it's, like, it's a tie back to, you know, some kind of, like, like core, kind of historical period. for Kilkenny. It's always been there. And, and I mean, like, both as, like, you know, an abbey, but also if you go back to the 70s, and, and we think of the kind of the beer festivals and... And all that good stuff, you know. Um, So I'm kind of gutted that we're losing that link, but also, you know, the fact that we need to be offering tourists who come here like a diverse range of experiences. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I was actually just looking at TripAdvisor before I came on here. Like the reviews for the experience were very good. People valued it. People enjoyed it. Uh, and it's going to leave a big hole I think in the in the tourism
2: market. And obvious challenges McKinney. for Diageo um, in keeping a business like that going given the, the restrictions on proximity of people and safety and all that sort of stuff. But uh, a feeling of betrayal a bit in Kakenny from many quarters I suspect that they've decided to uh, pull out. And also an interesting one from a brand perspective, your area of of expertise, because so much of Smiddick's brand and Diageo uh, and, and indeed they have a brand called Kakenny, is based on an association with Kakenny and if the current stands uh, plans stand they won't be here anymore.
1: Yeah 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 I'm sure I'm not the only person who felt that kind of bit of pride when I've seen a Kakenny tap uh, in a bar when I'm uh, when I'm abroad. Um, yeah you know maybe maybe there's opportunities I think for Diageo to kind of rethink uh, that decision. Uh, I would hope I'd, I'd hope that would happen uh, and maybe somebody uh, be it from Kilkenny or elsewhere, could maybe make the case to them that you know that there is a mutual a mutual win by keeping the um, the experience open.
2: Yeah, because it's about so much more than just the people who go through the the door. I suppose when it comes to Kilkenny.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you totally. But uh, and and the experience itself, like as a local, you know, you kind of do it once, and it's great. Like it, it is a really good thing. Um, and you know, again, I just think it's going to be a lot. So maybe, hopefully something
2: can happen. It would be good if, if we could rally a few people to uh, make the case. Yeah, finally, um, Simon, you know, we've talked in this program before about the pandemic being good for some businesses, being bad for others, you know, very much sometimes a two-stroke economy. Can you briefly give us some kind of highlights or companies that you think have been doing kind of well out of the whole thing, or uh, particularly in how they're communicating and marketing?
1: Yeah, well I'm I'm seeing a lot of kind of return to core, maybe a little bit, you know, uh so people focusing in on, on what they do best, uh and, and and maybe having kind of less distractions about them. So I think that's definitely been uh that's definitely been a kind of a, a kind of a key benefit or a kind of a change that's come out of it. But I think any any, any business out there, small, medium or large, that's kind of embraced uh digital has done well, you know. I think that um you know any of the the um, the companies out there who've you know, really kind of invested in that and kind of added digital to an existing kind of more traditional business model mm. will come, um, we'll come out of this better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so say all of us here in KCLR, we've seen a huge upsurge in our whole digital people interacting online and through social platforms and so on. Simon, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Best of luck to you and everyone in, in 360 and hopefully uh, the next time uh, we speak we'll have uh, taken a step towards a quote unquote normality rather than a back back into some sort of lockdowns. Yeah, well,
1: that'd be great, John. I, I'm looking forward. Maybe we can meet for a coffee beside <gasps> physical bins, physical Gosh. <laughs> the beautiful <parade. laughs>
2: bin. Absolutely, Simon. Well, look, keep the faith. Good talking to you, as always. That's Simon O'Douwer from uh, 360, know. the Kenny-based uh, brand and communications agency. We've lots more of interesting stuff to talk about on the bottom line coming up. Don't go away. At the
3: heart of it all. Heart of, it all. of it all.
2: You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, good news. The uh, Bottom Line uh, online newsletter is out, edition three. And in that, uh, you'll be able to find our edition of 20 questions, which I did with Mike Kerwin of Goatsbridge. And Goatsbridge, great news during uh, the week that the Small Firms Association National Small Business Awards uh, 2021 uh, announced as the winner of the food and drink category, Goatsbridge Trout Farm. So, big congratulations to Mag and Jer, and best wishes to Mag and Jer and all of the team in Goatsbridge. Now, moving on, a number of weeks ago, in perhaps the darkest days of the post Christmas lockdown, when the country, individuals, businesses, and communities were finding it really difficult, uh, we featured an extract of an interview uh, publisher, entrepreneur, and well known businesswoman Nora Casey did on. Uh, Virgin Media, where she spoke about the burden and worry of running a business and where she was critical of the understanding of government, of the struggles of people running small businesses. Now, earlier this week, I spoke to Nora again and asked her about her reaction to where we find ourselves now with the new path to reopening underway. I think
0: it's really good news that we have the early stages of a roadmap to reopen, I think. And uh, Good news, certainly, for the hospitality sector and the hair salons, um, particularly restaurants and hotels. But don't forget, most of those camps have been closed for five months or more. Um, some of them decided during the worst of the lockdown, when it was outside only, that it wasn't worth it to open. So it's going to take some time for them to be able to recover their cash flow. Um, I think... It looks likely that it'll be July, August, before we're seeing some indoor dining and some easing of the travel restrictions.
2: Yeah but a a really much markedly more positive attitude among the public. Um, I remember maybe it was a month six weeks ago you were really feeling very frustrated and I heard you and indeed we uh, played an excerpt of of an appearance you made on uh, Virgin TV and you really expressed a lot of frustration about the direction the country was in at the moment. How are you feeling now?
0: I'm still very frustrated. I mentor an awful lot of SMEs, um, particularly founders of businesses, family businesses. The biggest frustration I have is that we don't have high-level expertise or conversations happening around the SME sector. To put it into context, the top 50 firms in Ireland employ about 6%, and uh, the SME and the micro-enterprise sector, they employ about 70% of people. And I know we can talk about... You know, we had the highest level of startups after the last recession. But to be honest, there's a loss of so much in terms of family business, founders who have built up a business over the years, and we're almost accepting that they're going to fall by the wayside, because that's the truth. I think if you have a coffee shop in Westport, there's always going to be a need for a coffee shop in Westport, but it might be a Starbucks, Mm. because a lot of businesses won't recover. So number one, I'd say, Unlike in the UK, and I'm not saying that the UK is great at everything, but they do have a high level uh, body of SME experts and, and entrepreneurs who advise the cabinet. So does New Zealand, by the way. But somehow or other, we think that it's okay for politicians and civil servants to discuss issues around business in the SME sector. And I think that's pretty unacceptable. I mean, if we were going through COVID at the moment and we thought it was okay to have politicians, civil servants, heads of representatives, bodies of doctors and nurses sitting around the table, we wouldn't accept it. We want experts, experts in immunology, experts in virology. So why don't we have experts in business and particularly in business owners to advise the government of what needs to happen the next, because I know we're opening the door, but only a crack. It's going to take years for these businesses to recover. So the second thing I'd say is, the last time I checked, there was about 100 different push points for SME credit, for SME support, for micro enterprise support. Why, not, why don't we simplify it? You know, it would be so much better if we had a phone line that uh, business owners could could phone, The more of a bespoke service for them. Not, It's not one size. It's all. So even when we open hotels, there are big groups of hotels that will they, will they will survive they'll thrive. There are smaller family-owned hotels that are really struggling around cash flow issues, keeping good stuff, recruiting new stuff so I definitely think the costs of providing services, is a gone off. And we know through multiple surveys that have happened that issues around cash flow are very significant for some of those SMEs. So They still need support. They still need access to credit schemes. And then the, the third thing i say is, in this country, we obviously had the wage subsidy scheme. And this, I have to be very sensitive when I say this, and I am going to be sensitive. So it started off with about 40,000 businesses, and and they got about 1.4 billion, and then we went to the temporary wage subsidy scheme, and three billion was paid out. But the vast majority of that was paid out to huge, big, companies. People that aren't even Irish-owned uh, availed of a huge amount of back support. And the argument for that is that they employ people. And of course, we should ensure that people were kept employed all the way through the pandemic. But it's not one-size-fits-all. Because I think Irish SMEs deserve to have the overwhelming amount of support now. Because if you're a big business, big restaurant chain, big hotel chain, your recovery is going to be much swifter. You've got deeper cash reserves than some of the family-owned businesses on the high streets around Ireland.
2: And why do you think, Nora, uh, that we've got to this place? Um, You know, Ireland prides itself on community and and Irishness and so on. Why do you feel that that small and medium-sized Indigenous business has been neglected, as you suggest?
0: Because they don't have one representative group. I mean, even the lobby groups that represent one sector don't don't represent everybody within that sector. So it's very hard, I think, for their voices to be heard. And they're not as easy to say... They all had the same turnover issues, they all had the same staffing issues, they all had the same cash flow issues. A lot of business owners don't even have pensions, so they put money into property in the last, hit very badly in the last recession. So they didn't have the ability to take out more loans. You know, the government initially thought, oh, we would provide loans for for business owners. And even though i and anyone else could have said that's not going to work they're not going to take more debt on board with such uncertainty about their business and their ability to pay it back Um, but now maybe there is a chance to look more strategically over the next three years as to how you can build those businesses up again if you imagine a high street uh, or a small town in ireland where there's hotels who've really struggled i mean fine we're opening again but most of those hotels survived on overseas tourism, and it might be some time before we see that back again. And then you have restaurants, you might have crafts, you might have suppliers on the periphery of the town from the rural community. All of that town has been affected. Not just one sector that you look at nationally. If you look at that town, that's, that's where all the support needs to be at a local level
2: yeah now um when i heard you a couple of weeks ago you spoke very movingly almost about the stresses and strains facing entrepreneurs and you know i think how you spoke about how you had postponed going uh, to seek medical attention because you didn't want mm. to neglect your business do you think that's widespread and, and is it even possible that that kind of strain has even increased uh, during the pandemic
0: oh massively i mean all of the business owners i talk to have been through huge levels of stress a lot of mental health issues a lot of anxiety if you imagine as a business owner like i always say to people i never really experienced insomnia until i took over my own business and i was running multiple businesses in the corporate sector, and then suddenly the entire onus of paying the staff, everything about the cash flow, the strategy, decisions as to what to take on and what not to take on, they're all resting on your shoulders. And I didn't take a holiday for the first two years. You could never afford to be sick. Business owners don't take days off. Live, eat, and breathe it. You know, Saturdays, Sundays, evenings and weekends. I dream mortgage my house twice to fund my first business. So these are huge amounts of responsibilities that lie on your shoulders. I'm sorry, but nobody in the corporate sector, in politics, in public life, can possibly imagine what that feels like. Nobody can. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I talk to other business owners, I think it's that total misunderstanding of how much of every part of you is invested in the business. And I grew up, I'm not doing an answer, (laughs) but I did grow up, you know, in the eight of us in a three bed house with one OPW salary coming through the door I went to a desk school the chances of somebody like me achieving anything like I did achieve in life it's a remote but I am so grateful that the next generation of me and the Casey family may have a step up may build on that and I have only one lifetime Devoted to my business. There are families all over Ireland where there's multiple lifetimes. Mm. the, the, The present owner's lifetime, parents, grandparents, lots of the family involved in the business. Are we okay with just throwing that by the wayside and saying that it's acceptable that some businesses won't survive? Because that's really the attitude we have at the moment.
2: Yeah, most entrepreneurs, when they're actually running their own business, have to be in our very solution focused. What is the solution, and what can people who are in business, who are listening? to you this morning going yeah you know i really um i really hear what nora is saying and it resonates with me what can people do
0: i think the but one thing i would say of course business owners are very agile and they have those kind of brains where they are able to change but we just went through something like nothing else ever in the history of our lives And at the same time, people were saying, you have to be quick in your feet, you have to think about what you can do, you have to swivel, you have to be agile, you have a great... I'm sorry, but that's a big ask when you're going through all of the fears and anxieties of the last year for a business owner. So now I think they need good, strong mentorship it would be great if we had a much stronger mentorship scheme in Ireland I'd say it's the one thing I get asked on LinkedIn day in day out and I I mentor about 22 business owners at the moment I couldn't take anybody more on so we need high level I'm not talking about mentorship I would say what's what's worse than no mentorship and that's bad mentorship a good strong mentorship from fellow entrepreneurs and business owners secondly my skill set is strategy i think when i became a ceo first i realized i was a terrible boss but the one thing i did is i took myself to Ashridge management college and i studied strategic management for two years and went back and studied it advanced strategic management. So, if ever there's a need for strategy, it's now, because most people surviving over the summer will be working on cash flow. There are restaurants in Dublin which have eight places for outdoor spaces and two settings a an night, and they're not going to recover their cash flow uh, based on that kind of turnover. So, this is something where, in the midst of reopening the uncertainty of whether we'll have another lockdown in the future we need to have support for those business owners to look at the next three years how do you future proof it how do you help with particularly with cash flow issues if you remember most businesses are working on a cyclical basis month in month out there's cash coming in there's cash going on this is almost like a whole raft of Businesses that are starting from scratch. And the single biggest and reason startups collapse is cash flow. Mm. And if you look at the, all of the reports, the SRI and everybody else, we're looking at one in two SME businesses. So their turnover collapse. Yeah. In, in the region of 12 billion. So we're, it's going to take quite a while to get that revenue back up and running again. Then a lot of the restaurant owners and the hotel industry are reporting that their staff have gone. And uh, that it's incredibly difficult to
2: get them back. So that's going to be a significant issue, too. Nora Casey there talking to me earlier in the week about how she sees the challenges ahead for small businesses and a text in from a small business outlet owner. Uh, It says many small shops in Kilkenny will not reopen due to the restart grant John John, uh, one has to have turnover over 50,000. This is discrimination against the smaller shop John who were reassured of support and protection. So as we uh, emerge from lockdown and many smaller businesses seek to reopen I'm sure we'll hear more of that story Uh, You're listening to The Bottom Line on KCLR (laughs)
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought
0: to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the safety's largest independent accountancy practice. Www.omf.ie.
2: Now, 20 questions is our feature that we have on the programme where we uh, talk to people who you will know from business, uh, but we ask them questions that are not strictly speaking based on business, like where are you are from and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so this week we're continuing it and have a listen to our next guest.
3: Um, my name is Fiona Deegan and I live on a dairy farm just outside Castle Comber on the Kilkenny side. Um, I work as head of enterprise with the local enterprise office here in Kilkenny County Council, with responsibility for enterprise, economic development and tourism.
2: And where were you born?
3: I was born in Stradbally, County Leash, the home of the steam rally and the electric picnic. A beautiful, picturesque town, accessed through an opening in the woods via the windy gap. So it's a beautiful scene on your approach to the town.
2: And can you tell us a bit about your family growing up?
3: Yes, well, I am the youngest of four. I have two brothers and a sister. I grew up on a tillage farm in Stradbally, and I had, I suppose, the most idyllic childhood. I spent my summers out on the farm and, I suppose, my parents were involved in the local community also, the GAA, the STEAM Society, Community Games, the choir politics and everything else. So, I was exposed to all of that from a
2: very early age. And can you tell us about your formal education?
3: Yes, well, I went to secondary school in Portlaoise and I travelled by bus every day from Stradbally. to that i then studied in i studied business in it carlo and i had great fun there also along with a bit of studies so i was good
2: and what was your first grown-up job
3: um my first full-time job was with midland office supplies in port leash and i traveled the country installing computers and computerized accounts packages and providing it support to them There was actually very few computers in business at that time. They were really only starting to come in. I remember setting up one of my first computers was here in Kilkenny in Highbank Farm. And then I suppose when I moved to Kilkenny, uh, years later, I worked again with Highbank Farm through the local enterprise office. So I've been working with them a long time now.
2: Who's had the greatest influence on your career path, Fiona?
3: Um, I suppose I'd have to say my parents were my greatest influence on me. He instilled a really good work ethic and a, and a sense of entrepreneurship. Uh, when I left my job in Midland Office Supplies I set up my own business, which I ran for uh, seven years, again doing computer training, and I then moved to Kilkenny. I sold that business and um, I was getting married at that point in time, so I sold the business and moved to Kilkenny. And, um, yeah, my parents were definitely the biggest influence.
2: And what's the favourite thing about your career?
3: Um, I'd have to say that working with business is the best thing about what I do. I suppose, you know, businesses are so resilient and creative. And I I love being in a position to provide whatever supports that we can here to support and grow the the businesses and support jobs in the local community. And also I've made great friends through my work with the local enterprise office and developed a great love for Kilkenny. And, you know, it's a great place to live
2: and to work. Can you tell us about the most important or defining moment in your career so far?
3: Mm, that's a tough one. Um, I suppose there's, there's many, but I suppose I might go back to uh, the recent one, the Careers Fair, which uh, we organised in December 2019, where we showcased over... 600 jobs over the Christmas period with local companies. We had over a thousand prospective employees from all over the world who are home for Christmas and who are looking to re- relocate back to Kilkenny. It was just a fantastic event and there was a great sense of achievement from it. And, you know, being able to sell the opportunities in Kilkenny from a jobs perspective, you know, in the financial services, the agri and the technology sector, you know, it's a great place um for people to work and you know there's so much happening in Kilkenny at the moment with the redevelopment of the Abbey Quarter I'm really looking forward to seeing its development
2: over the next number of years. Can you tell us about your typical working day?
3: Okay well my working day and I suppose every day I get up at 6am and generally take the dog for a walk and feed the horses and usually arrive in work after the school drop off around half eight and I try to leave work then around 5.30, 6 o'clock again to do the school collection and home for the next day's work, John.
2: And what do you value most in a colleague, Fiona?
3: Um, I suppose for me, there's no replacement for a good work ethic. You know, I work with a great team here at the local enterprise office, and I'm lucky enough that each and every one of them have a great work ethic. It means that everybody pulls together and just gets done whatever is required. And I suppose since the onset of COVID the local enterprise office were extremely busy assisting businesses with government supports and each and every staff member stepped up to the mark to assist. Just a great team and a great work ethic.
2: And how do you think your colleagues would describe you?
3: Oh, well I'd hope they'd say that I was a hard working and, and liking to do the job right. They'd probably say I'm a bit of a perfectionist. is probably not a good thing but that's it.
2: How do you deal with setbacks or overcome challenges?
3: Well, I I generally don't tend to to spend or waste too much time thinking about what has passed. You know, I learn from the situation, I suppose, and and move on. But I always have a plan in place and a roadmap to where I want to get to. So I'll be very organised in in that space.
2: What do you think is the proudest achievement in your career to date?
3: Mm, Again, I suppose... Uh, there's, not, there's not just, not one, I suppose there's been many over the course of my career, but I suppose if I look back to my earlier career when I did set up my own business and I ran it for seven years until I moved to Kilkenny, I then sold that business and it continued to operate for many years. I suppose it's just a great sense of achievement in working for yourself and carving out your own kind of niche in life. And I suppose that's why I enjoy working with entrepreneurs here in my current role.
2: And what advice would you give to people starting out in their own careers?
3: Yeah, I suppose um, it's a cliche, but I would always say and I would always tell my own girls to do, you know, what they love, I suppose. You know, it makes a huge difference getting up every morning and looking forward to the day and doing what you actually like doing.
2: And how do you like to relax?
3: Um, well, I suppose my daughter show jumps and I spend most of my spare time um, organising her schedule and bringing her to events, travelling the country. Very sociable as well and we have friends made all over the country uh, from that. So really, really love that.
2: And what's your favourite holiday destination?
3: Well, in Ireland, I would have to say it's Inchidani Island. We We, we go there every year and have done... For numerous years, really, it's there's no place more beautiful when the sun is shining, and I suppose Clonakilty itself and the whole of West Cork is a great place for great food. So, really enjoyed that, and the kids would have grown up doing um, water windsurfing and that f- for the summer down there. So, it's good memories
2: there. What has the COVID nineteen pandemic made you realise?
3: Um, I suppose really. That, you know we shouldn't take things for granted i suppose really especially family and friends and it was really not to get too bogged down in things that are outside of our control and really focus on what we can actually control and achieve and enjoy enjoy every moment really
2: and what business book would you recommend and why
3: um well I suppose the one business book that i go back to time and time again would be um you are the limiting factor by blaze brosnan He is a management consultant and he he does a lot of work with the local enterprise offices throughout the country. And I suppose the reason I I like this book, it is very down to earth and, you know, it's it's an easy read. I pick up the book and I take a nugget out of it every so often, you know, that thing of, uh, you know, managing, don't be worrying about the things that are outside of your control, you know, focus on what you can actually achieve. You know, I got that from that book and I, I, I that's probably the one thing, my one go-to thing that I think of every day. You know, just don't worry about things that are outside of your control. Just focus on what you can achieve yourself.
2: Tell us something about yourself that might surprise us.
3: God, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that would surprise you, I suppose. I suppose I love the outdoor life and as people may not think that, Um, I spend all my time when I'm at home uh, outside. I love being in the garden, down the yard and stables, painting, doing anything bar being in the house. I love to have the house done early and get outside. I just like the whole outdoor life. I'm really an outdoor person. I suppose I spend a lot of time indoors in the office and then when I finish, I just want to get out.
2: And finally, Fiona, tell us what's your favorite piece of music that you'd like to share with listeners this morning?
3: oh right okay um i my favorite piece of music over the years and it always comes back to um lara's t- theme from the mover movie dr Chibago. and um, i just it's you know it's hauntingly lovely piece of music i really like it it's written by Maurice Jarre. and um, i studied music in secondary school and I, I just love classical music and i suppose i don't get Um, as much time nowadays to listen to it but I've always loved classical music.
2: Laura's team from uh, Doctor Javago. There, the favorite piece of music of Fiona Deegan, who was our guest this morning on Twenty Questions. Coming up, we're going to be speaking to a man uh, who's the third generation of a particular business in Bagnallstown. Don't go away.
1: The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell,
0: brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie
2: Now, we were talking uh, to uh, Nora Casey about different generations of uh, business and how business and local business passes down through the generations. And coincidentally enough, our next guest is one such person, Colin Ray, uh, Director of Ray's Department Store in Bagnallstown. Colin, good morning.
4: Good morning, John. How how are you? And good morning to all your listeners.
2: Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, Yeah, your business, Ray's, in Bagnall Sound, synonymous with the town. Um, You've been there since the 1950s, I think. Yeah,
4: you're you're spot on. You're, You're done your research. Um, it's, we're, we're there since 1958, so it started by my grandparents, John and May Ray, and my parents, Ian and Eileen, then they kind of took it over then kind of the late 70s, early 80s. And today, myself um, and my sister Alma, we basically manage the the shop and we kind of have responsibility for buying and looking after certain departments in the store.
2: Yeah, now the 1950s were no cakewalk for business, but surely nothing like the last year. How how have you all got through um, the great COVID challenge?
4: It's It's been a challenging year and um, like any business, you really have to think outside the box and be innovative and change. But I suppose the best people probably in the world are doing that are business owners because we have to adapt so online has probably been the biggest one. Um, for now we had a website set up already because I have previous experience with my wholesale business, so I would have been doing e-commerce for six, seven years previous anyway, so I had a good head start, I suppose, that way, and also I suppose to keep us kind of in customers' um, heads, we, we were kind of really putting a lot more effort into
2: our social media and doing a lot more videos, et cetera, you know, mm. So, um, but
4: it has been challenging.
2: Yeah. Now, uh, I hear a lot of that, you know, that online is the future, but you've actually got a bricks and mortars department store in a relatively small town. You've got a men's department, ladies, sports, school uniforms, kids clothes, toys, cards, stationery, jewellery, household, haberdashery and much more. I mean, is there a future for bricks and mortar retail like that or are you just going to say it's online is the future? I mean, surely bricks and mortar has to survive for towns like Bagnallstown.
4: Um, yeah, for certain lines, I suppose we're lucky. We do an awful lot of lines. Um, certain lines have been performing actually very well. Other lines haven't been performing well, so that that's kind of kept us going, um, thankfully. But um, I certainly do think there's a there's a place for for the for the concrete shop, if you want to call it. Mm. Um, I mean, when you see online sh- online businesses actually uh, creating concrete shops, that that will prove to you that even as much as they're doing business online, they obviously still see a, a revenue stream coming from a bricks and mortar store. So,
2: because um, there's so a I credibility and an experience and so on, like it's always interesting. Yeah, you see Facebook and these people, you know, supposedly the future, but they advertise in newspapers as well and on on radio and television, different um, online outlets. So, so there has to be a place for all. Oh, hundred
4: percent. Yeah, look, they, they have their own agendas too. Don't forget, you know, so it's in their interest sometimes to plug plug online, you know mm-hmm. but um so I think there is you just have to box clever and especially when you're buying like, we're kind of doing more impulse buying products so things that you wouldn't necessarily go and buy online um which is bedding for instance, has been doing very well because generally
2: when someone wants bedding they probably need it that day or stationary, yeah. the they need a pen or pencil straight away, a card et cetera yeah yeah, so
4: it's kind of just box clever how how you're how you're buying your products um. It should work. I suppose if the fashion industry is probably been the most effective, like your jewellery, um, because of such an amount of uh, companies online selling selling that stuff as well, and, and it's very price conscious as well.
2: Yeah, and how are you feeling facing into um, reopening now? Um, so-called non-essential uh, elements um, set to reopen for click and collect first and then, you know, open to the public to come in through the doors. How are you feeling about that? It's not the first time you've had to reopen. No,
4: like this is the third time, so really everything's kind of in place already. So um, the first time I was like, there was a good bit of work. But really now it's just a matter of tidying up
2: the shop and getting the right stock in. Now, as if you weren't busy enough, Colin, uh, running a department store with uh, all those departments from haberdashery and so on, it reminds me of how you've been served when I hear the word haberdashery, Um, but... uh, Talk to me about your work for, for Bagnallstown, Inc. You, you know, the businesses like yourselves, you're working together to try and up the profile and, and your cohesion and to ensure a future for the town.
4: Yeah, so we started up a chamber, uh, Bagnellstown area chamber. Um, it would have been January 2000 and 2020, I suppose, we had our first meeting pre, pre-COVID, and... Um, but I have been working behind the scenes anyway for the last two years with some of the local groups applying for funding and kind of having the a, a business's input. But um, And particular for, for grants and that with the local enterprise board. Um, and that's continued today. So basically what we're doing now is we have a couple of Zooms maybe every, every, every couple of weeks. And we've done a couple of projects. So um, in particular, the first one we did was a simple one with COVID screen. Um, rather than buying them individually, we we all bundled together with 15, 16 businesses and we bought in bulk and then we obviously got it at a better price.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Um, Well, um, Colin, unfortunately we have to to kind of wrap it up there, but lots going on in Bagnallstown and you'd encourage people to come back in and and shop in their local towns, but shop safely.
4: Yeah, just shop safely and look, keep using sanitizer, keep wearing your masks and... um, yeah, just, just just be sensible, I think, is, is the main thing. And just one more thing, John. I was telling you about the Explorer app as well that yeah. we developed in we're, we're launching that on the 28th of uh, May. So I might maybe get back on to you before that.
2: Um, before Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It's, it's and we'd great. love to, we're really looking forward to getting back out in the road again uh, with our Casey Lord broadcaster and uh, visiting all the towns and villages, the length and breadth of Carlock, Kilkenny, and, and uh, Bagnallstown will be high on the agenda. Yeah, that's that's great. And thanks for your support. Colin, great talking to you. That's Colin Ray, Director of uh, Ray's Department Store in Bagnallstown and also the Chairman of the Bagnallstown Chamber. Uh, That's all we've got time for this morning on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email The Bottom Line at kclor96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or indeed any episode of The Bottom Line, check out the KCLor app and head to the podcast section and you'll also find some other great podcasts like The Clash Act if you're in into gaelic games hurling in particular you love the clash act eddie scally there and a galaxy of fantastic guests and of course you'll find the bottom line on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Just search for the bottom line KCLR and don't forget if you wouldn't mind to give it an a rating or a, review, or a review. Thanks to all our guests this morning Simon O'Dwyer, Nora Casey, Fiona Deegan and Colin Ray. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday just after nine for more stories foreign about business. In the meantime stay safe and stay tuned to KCLR Keep your distance, keep doing the right thing, and keep the faith.
0: The bottom line on KCLR with John Parcel. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a
3: broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the cities.